Well, Father, I pray that you would minister to us through the power of your word as we just press in. There's an appetite, there's a hunger that exists within us. And as we cultivate that, Lord, your blessing abounds. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. So I pray that today, Lord, even in these next moments together, there would be more than just a positive speech going on. But there would truly be a sense of the power of God being unveiled within our hearts and lives. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to get past myself, that truly you would be able to have a conversation with us all. We all just admit and own our insecurities and our immaturities that exist within us. Lord, somehow you choose to continue to use us mightily as we bring that before you and acknowledge our limitations. We welcome you, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Come on, let's just press into the Word together today. Um, I had a really interesting experience this morning, and I, uh, I want to share that with you after I give you a, a story that I read this week. It was about an older woman who lived in a third world country, and every morning when she would get up, she would carry two pots on a long pole over her shoulder. <laughs> she would go to the, the nearby river, fill the pots with water, and provide fresh water to her family every day as a result. And one of the pots was perfect, and one of the pots had a deep crack in it. And the perfect pot was really proud of its accomplishments and its perfection, but the cracked pot was ashamed of its performance, disappointed in its life, disappointed in its existence. And um, one, one morning when she's filling the pots at the stream, the pot with a deep crack said to the woman, I'm so ashamed of my performance in your hands and the, the deep crack in my side limits your work and I'm so sorry. And the woman said to the, the pot with the crack, I've known about your flaw from the very beginning. And if you'll notice on our journey back, you'll see that I've actually planted flowers on the side of the path that I carry you on. And you have been used daily to water those flowers that we pick and we place on our table to illuminate the room and that we hand out to our friends around us to, uh, to express beauty and grace as a result of the deep crack that exists within you. Kind of the, the moral of the story is, and how many of you can agree, we're all a bunch of crackpots. That's kind of what it boils down to. Uh, but God's not put off by the crack in our side, by the issues that we have. Uh, in fact, uh, we all have issues but the trick is not letting our issues become our excuses so that we don't allow the enemy to disqualify us from being used mightily by God. So what I felt like, you know, and we're in this time and this season for another week or so of outrageous grace. And just so you know, we're exploring and looking into and talking with a number of different other leaders about what the Lord is doing in this season of the church. 
Um, we're really just exploring what is it God wants to do. And so even the idea of a series for a certain number of weeks is something we've stepped back from. And what we're trying to do is more so discern the season that we're in. That way it's not just all professionally packaged and corporately expressed. And, you know, we want to just make room if the Lord wants to take us into a long, long season. This kind of opened up uh, a few years ago whenever I felt like the Lord was asking me to preach Jesus in the Bible and to go through all 66 books of the Bible over the course of 66 Sundays. That'll mess up your, your series emphasis. Um, and all that's online, and I encourage you to turn the page every day. Just turn the page in your Bible. This is our, um, this is our avenue that we encourage more than any other avenue in terms of truly becoming a disciple who spends time in the Word. And it's been amazing the number of people who've grown up in church all their life who've never read their Bible all the way through, but when they started Turn the Page, it was so simple and so powerful that they started in Genesis and every day wrote the date at the top of the page and turned one page. And over the course of the next few years, you'll have read through Scripture. So what I have found in my own experience with this, and it's been unusual, uh, the Lord confirms so many things in Turn the Page. You know, when our building fell down, I found myself actually in the book of Nehemiah about rebuilding. And I mean, it was just crazy. That was the ice storm, you know, years ago. Um, but different situations, different circumstances, some major like that, some minor. And this morning uh, it was one of those moments where the Lord really confirmed his word. And I, I felt like in this message today, our gathering today, as we center around the outrageous grace of God, the Lord wants to break a spirit of discouragement off of our lives. And many people have become discouraged to the point that they, and, and you don't even necessarily understand it this way, but you kind of disqualify yourself or you feel like you can't really be used mightily by God. Um, we all have made mistakes. We all have insecurities. We all have immaturities. We all have all those issues going on in our lives. But it was interesting because I was reading, and uh, we do a 9 o'clock prayer for all of our teams to come in here, and I, I, I did this this morning. I want to do it with you as well so that you'll remember the address of this verse. I want you to imagine somebody standing directly in front of you, and on the floor, there's a number 6 painted. And you are seeing a 6, but the person facing you is seeing a 9. And there are always two ways to look at your situation. And what we see in Exodus chapter 6, verse 9, which is where I was in my reading this morning. You won't find it in your notes if you go to the blog or get our app and you look at this. It's not in the notes because it was just out of my quiet time this morning. Um, if you look at our Instagram story, you'll, you'll find this conversation where I was standing there in prayer. But Exodus 6, 9, when I hit that verse, I realized it was utterly significant for our morning today because that particular verse says... The Israelites had grown so discouraged that they could not receive the word of the Lord. The Israelites had grown so discouraged that they could not receive the word of the Lord. Let me just say, if you are unable to receive the word of the Lord, then you will live your life looking at a six for the rest of your life, which happens to be the number of humanity and limitation in man. But you will live your life looking at a six for the rest of your life. But if you'll allow God to show you a different perspective, maybe a different angle, like Moses was coming to the Israelites when they were in that place of bondage, and he was saying, God has a word for us in this time, in this season. 
And he then began to bring a word that broke them out. How many of you know when the Israelites were in a place of bondage, God sent them a prophet because the power of God's word has the ability to transform your situation no matter how grim it may look. Can somebody amen declare? Come on, we're agreeing that we'll receive the word of the Lord, that discouragement will be broken off of our lives today. Things, circumstances, I just, I feel this is something that we need to press into before I even go into uh, the message a bit more. But Lord, I pray that discouragement would be broken. Some of you know clearly that you've been dealing with discouragement. Some of you don't even understand that's what it is. But if you have that sense of discouragement being broken, why don't you free your hands up and just kind of put your hands out in a posture of receiving what God's desiring to do right now, even supernaturally. And Lord, we just receive that a spirit of discouragement is broken in our lives. In this room, online, Every uh, home right now that is listening and watching, I thank you that a spirit of encouragement rushes in to displace a spirit of discouragement. I thank you that you're not a God that simply alleviates the curse, but you reverse the curse into a blessing. So today, we're just going to take in a, a breath of fresh air and a breath of fresh prayer in a sense, and the breath of God would inspire our lives where we would move from being discouraged to a place of being encouraged, where we can truly receive the word of the Lord about our circumstance or situation so that we and our children and our children's children will not continue to perpetually live in the bondage of Egypt, but you'll take us into a place of greater promise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. We all have a deep crack in our side, in a sense. God uses those imperfections to keep us um, in a place of fully reliant upon him. We're broken people in the hands of a loving God, learning to sacrificially embrace a purpose bigger than our own. Think about what I'm saying. You and I are broken people in the hands of a living God, and we're learning to sacrificially embrace a purpose bigger than our own. In fact, the more your purpose becomes only about you, the easier you are to discourage. And the more your purpose becomes something bigger than you, the more difficult it will become for the enemy to discourage your life. Because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine when we tap in to his perspective of what he's desiring to do. So recognize these weaknesses and imperfections that exist within us. They're really what drive us into that deeper reliance upon the Lord our God. Now, I believe God's taking us somewhere in this next season of the church. I believe we're starting to understand a little more of what the true treasure of the church is all about, the deeper sense of what God's desiring to reveal, even as a result of our gathering together, talking about Scripture, singing songs, uh, pressing in to Him. I believe God's wanting to take us somewhere. And what I'm talking to you about today is utterly significant to our being able to get from here to there, because you cannot live in a state of discouragement, feeling like you are a disappointment to God when you are not, but feeling like you're a disappointment to God and think that you're going to be able to do what God is calling you to do in the future in your life. 
God is fully pleased with you because of what Jesus did, not because of what you have done. Now, folks, that is the outrageous grace of God. How many of you have given God plenty of reason not to be fully pleased with you? Let's all just raise our hand and acknowledge. We all have done that. But thank God it's not about our performance. And what I'm learning is I take more time to press into prayer, more time to press into Scripture, more time to spend just fasting and praying. It's, it's, not, it's not increasing God's sense of favor with me. It's simply increasing a greater awareness within me to what God's desiring to say and do through the course of the day. I want to have a great awareness of God. Therefore, I will learn what it is to live consecrated in the pursuit of him as best I know how, confessing and admitting my limitations and weaknesses and faults so that I'm staying strong and healthy and well, spiritually speaking, and aware of what God's desiring to do. But none of that has anything to do with the utter absolute favor that God has with me and with you. It's through Jesus Christ that we have discovered the full, complete favor of God our Father. Come on, nobody claps alone in this house. Let's all clap that in and agree. We just agree together as a family. Thank God for the favor of God. Thank God for the favor of God. So I want to read a lengthy portion of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 16 and not just point to a biblical idea, But I really want us to embrace the power of Scripture and what God does in the gathering of the church when we gather around reading his word. Matthew 16, verses 16 to 24, Jesus has just asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter, as usual, is the um, hot shot, you know, that's quick to raise his hand. He was the helium hand. He was the one that would jump out of the boat. He was the one that would grab the sword and chop off the ear. This is, this is Peter. Some of you in the room can identify with this particular character. Certainly, I can. Very exuberant, active, sometimes overly so, getting in trouble at times. Uh, and Peter is about to respond and say something that would be considered blasphemy in the minds of any rabbi in this particular day and would actually, uh, he would be punched in the mouth, uh, hit in the mouth to express correction from his rabbi would not be an uncommon response. And so he's about to say this to Jesus and I'm sure as he does, the disciples are leaning in to see how is this going to go down? Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 to 24. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. There it was. He stepped out. He, he, he said it. He got it out there. He's saying you are God. Would have been blasphemous had it not been true. But he says you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Blessed are you, Simon, for revelation from my Father has awakened this reality within you. That's what he's saying. Verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter. Now, we've probably all heard this portion of scripture many times, but I want you to think about the name progression that's happening here. I tell you, the revelation came from my Father in heaven. You know who I am as Christ, the Son of the living God. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail 
and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I want you just to notice that hell has gates, but heaven has keys, and that's important. If we have time, we'll kind of come back to that idea. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Jesus was saying, I need to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. How I many know oh, that's not what we want to hear? How many of you do not like suffering? Let's take a quick poll. I'd rather not suffer. But this is what Jesus was saying. This is part of, of, of my assignment. I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. And I'll be killed. And on the third day, I'll be raised. Verse 22, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, this is not the prosperity teaching of our day, Lord. That's kind of what he was saying. He took him aside and he began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, here's another name, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, Jesus said, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, there is a wealth of revelation that exists in this particular text. I'm just going to dig out a few things that I feel like are part of our assignment for our gathering together. And then I want us to take those things that God's revealing and just bring them back into a time of worship where we're just bringing back that which God is stirring within our hearts and allow him to, to deepen those words as seeds within us. But you'll notice that Jesus calls him Simon and then he calls him Peter and then he calls him Satan. Now this is all very significant progression because it's all in the same chapter. Uh, and so Let's first just notice what the word Simon, the name Simon actually means. And when you look at this, what you'll find is it has three meanings that are commonly understood by theologians who would, would uh, communicate and talk around this particular text. The first meaning of the word Simon is hearer. The second meaning is a wavering reed. So let's just look at those two first hearer and wavering reed. And what this is speaking of is a person that, uh, and I can relate to this, because again, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, Peter would characterize some of my life. How many of you in this room, you would say, Peter characterizes your life? Can I just see, uh, raise your hand if you're kind of high expression, high energy, high, uh, you know, that, that's kind of that. That's what it is. And so Peter wavers, do you understand? This is hearer and wavering reed. Peter wavers according to what he hears. When he hears something, it will quickly move him this way, or if he hears something, it might quickly move him that way. That's why he hears the Lord on the lake, and he quickly moves that way and says, I've heard your voice. Let me come out now and jump on the water. That's why he hears something of the soldier coming to arrest Jesus, and he quickly draws his sword because he would waver according to what he heard. Now, this is significant because he heard the Father, and that caused him to waver toward the things of the Spirit. That's what will stabilize your life. That's what moved him from being 
thing. This what I'm talking about is being wishy-washy. You, you do realize. I'm talking about if, if everything you hear causes you to move in the direction you hear it, then you become very wishy-washy. But when you align yourself with what God is choosing to reveal as the primary source of what it is that you are hearing, then you move from being wishy-washy to a place of being the rock upon which Jesus will build the church. So do not be uh, dismayed or don't be discouraged about being wishy-washy from time to time. Just put into practice the words of God more readily so that you can grow in your faith and your relationship with the Lord and he can build upon that response. Now, the, the other name, uh, the other meaning of his name is sand-like. And boy, that's significant for us. And we'll get to that in just a few moments. But I want to point out, so it's hearer, uh, wavering reed and sand-like. And I want to point out that in one chapter, Peter is unstable, wavering, he's solid, and he's off. All in one chapter. And Jesus had this incredible ability, and it's something, let me just ask the question, how many of you ever, you've seen somebody who was off, and you just dismissed everything they had to say? Uh, you know, I, I've heard people speaking before, uh, whether, you know, it's in an audience to hear or online or whatever it may be, uh, and I'll hear them say something and I'll think, that's off, and then I just dismiss everything that they had to say, and what a mistake that is. How many of you know you got to learn to spit out the bones? And there, there are good things that can come from people that actually sometimes miss it, and if you've been here for... Uh, you know, a long time. I've been the pastor here for 20 years now, and I just want to say thank you to those of you who've been willing to spit out the bones over the years. I don't even agree with what I preach sometimes. <laughs> I go back and listen, and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? You know, this is so bizarre. I mean, in this chapter, we're seeing something really utterly significant, and Jesus had the ability to see a man who was unstable, celebrate him when he was solid, but still discern him when he was off. All in the same chapter, he was unstable, he was solid, and he was off. Every one of us in this room have the ability to, in the same chapter of life to be unstable, suddenly be solid, and then be off. In fact, being solid can sometimes be a platform to take you further off because you got, in a sense, as Peter did, a... a, a he was dignified by the Lord. I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus, in the midst of all the other disciples, is saying, you're the rock, man. You are the rock. And so who is it then when he says, I'm going to die, that steps up? Wait, 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 wait. Now, you said I'm the rock. This is not going to happen to you. I mean, he could begin to use that in an element of pride. Boy, the enemy's sneaky, isn't he? All of us can be unstable, solid, and off in the same chapter of life. And it never disqualifies us from being used mightily by God if we will keep drawing close to him. But we must keep drawing close to him. When this happened, Jesus didn't say, ah, that's too bad. I had you selected for the inaugural address of the New Testament church that's about to take place after I'm gone and the day of Pentecost happens. Yeah, you were the one that was going to speak, but here you are. You were unstable. You got solid, but now you're off. You're not going to be the one giving the speech. That's not what happened. In fact, later when he denied Jesus, God never took his eyes off of him for that. Why? Because even in his mistake, he kept pressing into God, growing deeper in his faith. Somebody in this room needs to hear what I'm saying right now. 
desperately. You're thirsting for the living waters that I'm tapping into in this particular well. And God is wanting to wake you up to a greater understanding that the spirit of discouragement is broken off of your life. And nobody, nobody could ever talk you out of who God says you are if you will listen to what the Father has to say about who you truly are. I know that this is going to shock you. And I'm going to call this person out in this room. There is somebody in this room who recently told me that I really was not enough when it comes to leading the charge and serving God. You're less, than, you're less than you should be. Like, that's, that's offensive. I want to know, will you help me beat this person up so I never have to listen to them again? I don't know if you realize, but the person I'm talking about is me. And your worst enemy is the person you see in the mirror every single day who's going to tell you such things. And some days you're going to be wavering in the wrong direction because you've heard something that you weren't supposed to listen to. And then you'll come back and hear the revelation coming from the Father. And you'll step back in and and the Lord is saying, yes, there you are. You're the rock. Stay strong. Listen to me. Pay attention to what I have to say. And then you'll start listening and wavering once again. And suddenly you find yourself back over here listening to things, your own voice, other people's voice. There are plenty of voices of accusation and discouragement out there. You don't need to contribute to it anymore in your own life. And and you, you step back over and and the father's revealing something you're paying attention then in your place of devotion listening and praying before the lord and the lord he's there saying yep that's the spot that's the sweet spot you're the rock come on this is the rock that i'm building my church i'll pay attention to what the father has to say you understand this is not abnormal this is a normal part of christian living anybody here ever feel like you've got uh, like christian psychosis or you know like christianity left right back forth you know uh, yeah i'm yeah i'm powerful no i'm weak uh you know I, I really need you, Lord. I'm just so frustrated with you. Anybody ever feel that way? I just want to say, it is good for you to read in Scripture that Elijah can be powerful enough to stand on top of a mountain and call down fire from heaven and destroy hundreds of occultic leaders in his day because he believed in the power of God. And in the same moment, run down off that mountain, scared to death for fear of his life, coming to a point of actually having suicidal thoughts. It is good for you to see that in Scripture. It is good for us to see David, who's powerful enough to go and fight and kill Goliath and become the king of a nation and subdue kingdoms and nations and be so powerful in that moment, yet then fall into an adulterous affair because he gives himself to sexual sin. It is good for us to see this in Scripture. It is good for us to read the book of Job. Anybody here want to be just like Job? <laughs> Anybody here feel like you have been Job lately? It's good for us to read the book of Job. And, and he goes in these two wavering perspectives, depending on what he's listening to. He'll just listen to it. He gets upset and he wavers over, listening to the wrong voice of discouragement. He says, I curse the day that I was born. And then he comes back over, to God belong wisdom and power. And he comes back, I hate my very life. I am not silenced because of darkness that covers my faith. God is devastated my entire household. To God belong strength and victory and glory. Simon, 
hearer, wavering reed, speaks of being wishy-washy depending upon what we're listening to. And the other statement that I made, his name can mean sand-like. Now, it's interesting to me that in Matthew chapter 7 and Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, and if you think about how this ties in, it's really a beautiful expression. But Jesus explains that the one who hears the word of the Lord and puts it into practice is one who moves from building in the sand to building on the rock. Wavering reed, according to what you're hearing, you're the rock. You understand this ties in so well. Moving out of a sand-like disposition into a place that is more built on the rock of Jesus Christ. This is Matthew 7, Luke 6, both places. This is interesting. And, and, and this, is, this is what I just, I feel like this needs to activate something in every single one of us. If we'll just think this through. A wishy-washy follower of Jesus answers the question right to the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And Jesus' response, you might think, I might think, we might think, Jesus' response to this would be something along these lines. You, uh, to, you know, Jesus, all of a sudden Peter says, uh, you're, the, you're the king of kings, the Lord of lords, you're the son of God, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the anointing. You might think Jesus would respond and say, finally, you get it. Finally, you understand I have the keys to unlock all of my Father's kingdom for you and for all humanity. That's not what Jesus said. What Jesus said is at last someone recognizes what my Father has revealed about who I am and I will give you the key. Now that you're listening to the voice of your heavenly Father, I will give you the keys that will lock and will unlock my kingdom in the earth. The mighty kingdom of God will be locked and unlocked in the earth because you have paid attention to the revelation of the Father. Do you hear the difference in those two perspectives? One is Jesus makes it a focal point where everybody comes back and, and asks him to do all the work. The other is Jesus says, I'm mobilizing and activating you now to go and be my sons and daughters in the earth that have access to the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if you understand or not, but if you're living your life in a state of discouragement because you've been wavering and not celebrating the fact that you can step over on the rock, then you are never going to have the keys to unlock or lock anything. You're going to constantly feel like you have to beg God for everything, but he has called you to rise up in authority and dominion as the sons and daughters of God and push back the gates of hell. This is the church in the revelation of Christ functioning in the way God desires for us to function. So stop being discouraged. Be encouraged. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and I want us just to carry this into a place of worship where we're standing in bold confidence before the Lord, declaring the greatness of God, the faithfulness of God, the revelation of Christ that so moves us from being in a place of wavering instability into a place of being solid on the rock. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church that's hearing what God is revealing in the earth. Hell has gates and heaven has keys. I've seen some elaborate structures of gates before. Maybe you just think about the most elaborate structure of a, of a gate. You know, they can be very intimidating on purpose. Stay out. Um, 
the queen is home, the gates are closed, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you've ever seen, the most elaborate, high, strong, impenetrable gate structure you could ever imagine. And that gate simply has no voice when somebody has a key. It doesn't matter how big the gate is. It doesn't matter how strong it is. It doesn't matter if it keeps all adversaries out. If somebody shows up with the key, folks, the gate is about to open. And you and I are those who carry that key. You and I are those who've been given the key of what God desires to reveal. I'm just listening. Instead of just giving you my best sermon conclusion, I just want to hear what the Lord's desiring to do in this moment with what He's stirred in our hearts. We are broken people in the hands of a loving God, sacrificially embracing a purpose bigger than our own. As we learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit, we are broken people, broken people. but not disqualified. I thank you, Lord, for this deep crack that exists in the side of the pot that waters the flowers, that beautifies because of your grace, homes, households, families, friendships, that provides something to be able to give <laughs> to see your kingdom expand. I pray, Lord, that the enemy of condemnation will be utterly broken and destroyed in our lives as we emerge into, in a sense, an elevated perspective and a greater understanding of who you say Jesus is and who that makes us as a result. We are in Christ. Christ is in us Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have found full and complete and total favor with you, even though we waver from time to time all in the same chapter of life. It's still about the rock. In Jesus' name, come on, let's just stand to our feet. We just literally stand at attention. Would you just stand at attention before your Father God in heaven? Lord, we want to acknowledge that we understand we live in a society where most Christians play the game of church. And we're growing increasingly aware of that reality. And I pray that you would deliver us from those perspectives that would keep us from becoming everything that you have designed us to become. Forgive us, Lord, where we've allowed the treasures and positions of humanity to hold our attention and our affection in such a way that we don't even value the kingdom of God above all else. But we want to be men and women of God that will seek first the kingdom of God. 
and then all the other things will be added. But they're actually results, not pursuits. You become the pursuit. You become what we desire to pursue. And as we pursue you, everything else takes care of itself. In Jesus' mighty name. You know, I, I, I try not to do this too much because I know we're recorded and this will come back. I try to just make sure, you know, be sensitive to this as much as I possibly can because we don't always get it right and sometimes we miss it. But I want to give you a prophecy about a season that we're coming into. And I heard the Lord saying it this past week and I heard the Lord saying it again this morning and I hear the Lord saying it now. But I, I sense the Lord saying that there is a tremendous season of lavish provision that he is bringing into the church in a time when it might not make sense that that's happening, that is coming. And it's not coming so that we can increase our lifestyle, but it's coming so that we can expand God's kingdom. I'm not supposed to mention this specifically, so I'm going to dance around it just a little bit. But there are some things that are unlocking right here in this house. The, the story that Pastor Chris shared in the very beginning about doorways opening for resources to begin to be transferred through our church into the community and some of the deepest sense of needs imaginable. And, and I, I forget now the percentage, but like 80% of those needs in our community are beginning to be met right through the provision that God's made in this house. And what I'm not supposed to tell you is the specifics of, of that, that really is, is kind of phenomenal, but a, a certain university football team has selected ministry that's taking place in this church to funnel thousands of dollars through here into needs in the community. And I believe it's indicative of the season that is upon us, that God is bringing increase because he desires to expand the kingdom of God. And he's looking for some sacrificial men and women of God who will not take it in as their own, but will hold it like this and say, God, what do you desire to do in the needs of people around us? Come on, help us to be more like Jesus. Jesus, we, we thank you that you had the most lavish life of anybody in the room. And you chose to abandon it all to come live in the earth and suffer on behalf of humanity. Forgive us where we've neglected that part of the gospel. Help us to understand this text of scripture that says we must learn to deny ourselves and as a result, the kingdom of God begins to expand. More people come to know the love and the life of Jesus. And we give you praise for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just with your eyes closed, you're here. And you say, I am not where I need to be in my relationship with Jesus. I want to first start. You say, you know, I've never prayed to receive Christ before. And today I need to make that decision. Why don't you slip up your hand if that's you. I just want us to agree today. Maybe uh, those of you online, just send a message to our online moderators, whatever your avenue is. But we just want to pray in agreement with the most important decision any one of us could make in our lives. And that is to surrender our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, who 
came and lived and died so that we might have life. Come on, if you're here today and you just say, I know I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Jesus, but I know I'm a believer. I just need to bring a a posture of surrender in greater measure, just both hands up, place of surrender. Lord, we surrender to you. Every chamber, every closet, every hidden space that exists within our humanity. And we ask, Lord, that you would invade our lives, dwell within us in such a way that there is no space left that is not touched by your mighty hand. We bless you, Lord. We love you. You're deepening a sense of reverence for you as we acknowledge that our mistakes don't hold us back from coming into your presence, but it's actually stepping into your presence that begins to straighten out our mistakes. (laughs) You're so good to us, Lord. Jesus' mighty name. Boy, I want to encourage you this week. Purpose to pursue the stability that comes from consistency in the word and places of prayer and fasting, whatever that is in your pursuit of God. Purpose to pursue, to listen and hear what he's desiring to reveal.